It's day 34 on our 40-day tour through the Gospel of John. We're into John chapter 17 now, one of the shortest chapters in all of John's Gospel, just 25 verses, but it packs some power and it has some key passages in it. I want to point those out to you as we take this tour through John's Gospel. Here in John chapter 17, Jesus is wrapping up what's called his farewell discourse. We started with that in chapter 14. Technically, toward the end of chapter 13 in the upper room is when he started to say farewell to his disciples. He says, I'm going to leave. You won't see me for a while, but take heart. In fact, that's the way he ends his last words with his disciples. Then he transitions in chapter 17 from giving his last words to his disciples to starting to pray his final words to his Father in heaven before he goes to the cross. It starts in verse 1, Father, the hour has come. It's time. Glorify your Son so that he, meaning me, can give glory back to you. I know that there are some people who trip over this. They say, how can Jesus pray to his Father in heaven? Aren't they one and the same? But that's putting uh, uh, worldly and human limitations on something that's heavenly, that goes beyond what our brains can fully grasp. Don't trip up on that. Dr. Geyser, one of my favorite seminary professors, an Old Testament professor, taught us, he said, when God, when it comes to the mystery of the Trinity, when God is becoming too divided, when you think of God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as three completely independent persons, then you've gone too far and you need to recapture the unity of the Holy Trinity. On the other hand, on the flip side of that same coin, Dr. Geyser would say, When God is not becoming distinct enough, when it's just one God, whether it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but but the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit don't have any distinctiveness, and God doesn't relate to us as three different persons, then you need to broaden that out again. Let the Trinity be what it is, a wonderful, glorious, heavenly mystery. Let it be bigger than what we can fully comprehend this sight of heaven. And what good news that is, that there are things about God that we cannot fully grasp from our perspective here in this world because God is bigger than this world. So in the mystery and the glory and the wonder of that which is the Trinity, what the Bible reveals about that, Jesus, who is one with his Father, is also distinctive from his Father, and he's praying to his Father. God in three persons, blessed Trinity, holy, 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 as the Thumper hymn says. And so he prays for glory, he prays for the mission of the church, and he prays for the unity of the church. It kind of reminds me of one of my heroes in ministry, and that's Billy Graham. There are all sorts of reasons that Billy Graham is a hero of mine. Uh, He was humble. Um, but he cared deeply uh, about scripture, about God's word. He cared deeply uh, about evangelism and mission and getting that word out. And he cared deeply about unity within the church. I always respected his humility, respected his faithfulness, respected that he didn't have scandals all around him, respected that he didn't get all filled up with himself, that he was a humble preacher who wanted to be filled with God's Holy Spirit. So I was deeply touched when my wife Sally and I were invited to represent the Lutheran Church at his funeral. I never met the man, uh, but somehow, someway, we got invited to that funeral. And then, um, not long after that, I was given this Bible that was actually signed by Dr. Billy Graham, and it says, this Bible is presented to Mike Householder, and it's got his signature when he was a very old man and obviously very shaky from his Parkinson's and the illnesses that he battled. And it came with this note 
that said this was one of 10 Bibles that Billy Graham had. It was his favorite edition, and it was one of the last Bibles that he hand-signed due to his Parkinson's disease. I have no idea how this got to me. I truly have no idea, except that there's somebody in our church who knew Billy Graham, and I think he knew how much I would appreciate this gift. Billy Graham, uh, at his funeral, uh, one of his daughters preached, and she talked about his last words and how important those words were and how they left an impression with the family and how inspiring they were when she shared them with all of us because, of course, right in line with his character and his heart, they were all about unity and mission and being faithful to God's word. That's what Jesus is praying for to his father as he's saying goodbye to this world, and he knows he's saying goodbye. In verse 1, he talks, he prays to his father in heaven uh, for, for the father to be glorified and for the son to be glorified. By the time we get to the end of this chapter, verse 24, he prays that we as his followers would see this same glory. Glory means heaven touches earth, that 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 which is perfect in heaven starts to break through. What a great thing that Jesus is praying that that would happen for our fallen world. He prays for the mission of this church, for the mission of his disciples. He says in verse 14, I pray for them. I know they do not belong to this world just as I do not belong to this world because this world hates me and so this world will hate them. They hate me because of sin. They hate me because they don't believe. They hate me because, as Isaiah says, and we talked about last episode, they call evil good and good evil. They call darkness light and light darkness. So you could hear that and say, oh, see, as Christians, we're supposed to just form a holy huddle and isolate ourselves from the rest of the world and say, who cares about them? The world's going to get there someday, but we're okay, so let's just stay over here and be off by ourselves and just kind of kind of be scornful toward the rest of the world and can't wait for the day when they'll be judged. That'll show them. That's not the heart of Jesus, and so it can't the heart of Jesus, and so it can't be the heart of Jesus' followers. Jesus says they do not belong in the world, but in verse 18, just a couple of verses later, he says, and yet I am sending them into the world. So we don't belong in this world. That's why we don't always feel at home here as Christians, and we shouldn't because Jesus said we wouldn't. Well, that makes sense, but we're sent into this world. It's kind of like when our kids were young, I took our son Danny to a place called DZ Discovery Zone. I don't know if you ever remember that place. It was uh, off on Merle Hay Road, just off of uh, 8035. And it was this big kind of playhouse, Chuck E. Cheese on steroids. And it had jungle gyms and tunnels and tubes and slides. And Danny went in there and he was really young. And I felt like uh, while the other parents were doing it, I better do it too. I needed to follow along and make sure he was okay. Long story short, I got stuck in one of the tubes. (laughs) And at that moment, I realized... I do not belong here at DZ Discovery Zone in these tubes. I'm way too big for these tubes. I'm not sure I can get out. But I was sent in here on a mission out of love for my son to make sure he'd be okay. That's us, church, when it comes to our relationship with the world. We don't belong, but we're sent into it because we love. Because we love this world. We don't love the sin of this world, the darkness of this world. We love the people in this world. And we want to connect them to the love of God. That's Jesus' prayer, his last words in his prayer to his Father in heaven. 
He prays for glory. He prays for mission for the church to understand who we are. We don't belong to this world, but we're sent into it because we're called to love and to share God's love with this world so that they too can be saved. And last but not least, he prays for unity. The word one shows up at least four different times in the last five verses of John chapter 17. I pray that my followers, my disciples would all be one. I pray that just as you and I are one, they too would be one. I pray that so that they may be one as we are one, verse 22. And I pray that they might experience perfect unity. Perfect unity. Church, let's make sure that we don't draw lines of division within the church where Jesus is praying and calling for unity. His last words. Let's make sure we don't walk our own path and say, well, only Christians of our denomination, of the way we express our faith, the, 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 the theology that we have, uh, the understanding of today's issues that we have, our political worldview that some of us might have and others might not. Let's make sure that we don't divide over things that Jesus said we should be united on. That was his prayer. That's not a preacher's opinion. That's the prayer of Jesus Christ and his last prayer to his Father in heaven before he faced the nails on the cross. Sounds pretty important to me. Remember, Jesus is the one who says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. All the branches are a little bit different. All the denominations, all the churches, Christians are all a little bit different. Each branch is unique and different, but we are united in Jesus Christ, the vine. (laughs) He prayed for unity. He prayed for mission. He prayed for us to experience God's glory and we will. Let's be faithful to all of those things Jesus prayed for. We'll see you tomorrow. Please like, review, and share on whatever platform you're using that helps us get the word out. And join us for weekend worship. You can go to lutheranchurchofhope.org to find out how. We'll see you there.